What is going on, Ball is Live family? I'm Devin Uglin, and I'm joined by my guy and my co-host, Ronnie Flores, and you're watching On the Rise. On today's episode, we're breaking down Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State. But before we get into the full breakdown, Ronnie, why don't you give us a little background on Cade Cunningham's high school career? Yeah, thanks, Devin. I'm fired up to be here for another episode with you. I hope you guys watched the first three ones. Um, for Cade Cunningham, you know, of the guys we've done so far, he's probably the most accomplished high school player among the guys that, you know, we're evaluating. He led one of the best high school teams of all time last year. This is only last year, Devin, even though it seems like a long time ago. He played on the Montverde Academy team that was undefeated. They were number one in the country. I think a little bit people don't really know how good that team is because obviously COVID broke out at the end of, of the year in March. About a year ago this time, the world went haywire. And they didn't get a chance to play in Geico. And I think people would have seen how great they are as a team. They have 12 uh, Surefire D1 players, Devin. They had three Nike Hoop Summit guys, uh, Dayron Sharp, including Scotty Barnes. And those guys are going to go high in the 2021 draft. They should be first-round picks as well. And then they had three McDonald's All-Americans. It was the second time ever. And, and Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes were, were basically first five All-Americans. Cunningham scored a team-high 13.9 points per game. And you, you look at his numbers at Oklahoma State this year, they're a lot higher than that you know in essence um they had seven guys at about eight points or more on that team 4.2 rebounds 6.4 assists and, and and all those numbers make sense and they sound nice 6.4 assists is actually a really nice number on that team but the the main number Devin that jumps up for everybody should be their 38.9 points per game victory margin they won they only played one game within 20 20 points against IMG which didn't have Jalen Johnson at, at at that time so I mean, they're kind of like an historic run they made, and, and we're really going to see how historic that run is once this draft comes up. And people are like, wow, that guy played together just last year on the same high school team, and that guy too, and that guy too. Like, it's going to be pretty noticeable, especially if Cade goes like one or two, uh, Scotty Barnes goes like six or seven, eight, and, and De'Ron Sharp jumps into the top 20. Great stuff there on his high school breakdown, Ryan. Now let's jump into the strengths of Cade Cunningham's game. I'll start here first. I think the, the number one thing that most people notice, Ronnie, is just basketball IQ. Like you mentioned, sure. uh, his numbers at Montverde were, you know, 13 points, but six or seven assists a game. And yeah. um, on that team, he knew that he didn't need to do a whole lot of scoring for them to be really good. And he knew that he could get the ball in space to other guys like Scotty Barnes or Dayron Sharp or whoever it was. Sure. Uh, he understands how to control the pace of a game. Um, at 6'8", he has that point guard type of feel, the point guard basketball IQ. And he's one of the you know better playmakers, passers, um, overall basketball IQ guys in college basketball right now. Yeah, uh, you, you, can see with, you can see with Oklahoma State, uh, he has a lot on his shoulders, right? He, he has to kind of, of create for everybody. He's kind of the point man for the whole team. And he does a great job with that. I'm going to click over to his stats here real quick, Ronnie. 19.7 points, 6.3 rebounds. 3.5 assists is actually pretty low for, for a guy of his, his you know, IQ and passing and his caliber. Sure. Yeah, you notice yeah. that in, in recent games, especially when you get toward the, the Big 12 tournament, you know, like you said, sometimes he may be pressing a, a bit to try to make a play for his team. In, in regards to high school and relative to high school, his team last year was a little more talented. So like you said, he, yeah. he was able to uh, defer. He was able to know when to, he had a score and he was able to know when he had to take over. And in this 
college setting with Oklahoma State, it looks like he feels like he has to try to take over down the stretch every game. For sure. And I think that's going to, we're going to get into that into his areas of improvement or weaknesses, but yeah. um, back to his, his strengths. Um, obviously the, the point guard feel is the, the number one thing that jumps out and what is so intriguing uh, to NBA teams because he's six foot eight and he sure. had that strong frame at that position. Um, but then you look scoring wise, Ronnie, and this season, he's a four, he's a, he's a plus 42% three point shooter. And, yeah. um, you know, he likes to kind of, you know, operate off high ball screens, uh, create space for step backs and get into a rhythm three point shooting uh, position. Right. Not sure how much of a catch and shoot guy he is, but I'm sure, you know, with his form and his fluidity, he can develop that. Um, sure. And I, I just like kind of, you know, his poise, his confidence, his patience at the position, uh, his ability to rebound the, the defensive glass, obviously lead the break, set teammates up and just make really good decisions in key moments of the game. And I think um, with his size, with his mental makeup, with his um, just you know, willingness to be a guy who gets off the ball and uh, puts it in the, in, in the hands of his athletes in space, he's going to do really well at the NBA level as a primary ball handler because of the spacing and because of just a level of athletes that are on that level. Ronnie, yeah. jump into your strengths. Yeah, I, I, you make some great points there. I think he's it'll open up his game the next level. He's not a, he pressing as much. He always feels like he has to make a play on this Oklahoma State team, and that's, you know, for, for great reasons. I mean, he's one of the more well-known players in college basketball. He's up for Naismith's National Player of the Year and other honors. It's not like he hasn't had a, a great season, as you mentioned. The thing I like about him is, uh, that shooting percentage because he's taking contested in big shots. I noticed in recent games, I mean, he has to really knock down some big shots, win or lose. He's taking some contested shots and some contested jumpers and he's knocking them down. Like you mentioned, over 43% are in that range. Um, obviously the combination of size, body frame and skills, uh, you know, Kate, Kate has decent speed and just enough wiggle to, you know, he can get by guys and he can punish small guys. I guess we'll talk a little bit more of that as we talk about uh, things of improvement. But I do like his over his overall makeup in there. He sleeves the floor well. He hits the running guy. What's that's one thing I noticed in his games. If he sees a, a big guy who who's leaking out or rim running, he'll hit him every time. He's looking up, finding them, and 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 he's uh, rewarding his teammates for playing good D or for running. You know, for for hustling. I like that. And one thing I like about him, and I think he's learned that because he was in a good setting in high school. He got a lot of um, experience playing in big games and with good players is that I like the fact that if he has a bad half, because he's had some games this year, Devin, where he's had a bad first half, and then he just really turns it on and, and either leads his team to victory or leads his team back. Yeah. Like we said, you know, they're 13-8, they're, 13-7. Uh, you know, they're a good team. They're they're um, not as explosive or great as that Montverde at the high school level was. So what I like about him, he's like a really great uh, defensive back in football. He forgets about the last play. So he can make... Miss three or four shots, then he'll make seven in a row, six in a row. That's because he has that confidence. That's what I really love about him. He, you know, on the offensive end, he just has a confidence and ability to take over the game. I think that's going to bode well for him at the next level. Uh, uh, defensively, I think he's a quality defender overall in the team concept. He's good. He, he communicates. He, he talks to his teammates. He, he claps for them. If they make a mistake, he doesn't get too down. And he's good enough to stay with uh, smaller offensive players. For the most part, and he he don't mind battling uh, bigger guys inside, as you as you said, to start the break. So overall, I can see why he's you know in that running for the number one pick because there's just a lot of likes about it. 
Yeah, no doubt. And and to run a primary ball handler position at the NBA level, Ronnie, like we probably expect him to do, your teammates have to trust you and you have to be confident sure. in your abilities to set those guys up. And it's very clear from his high school career, whether it was club, whether it was um, camp, whether it was Montverde, whether it was, um, uh, you know, all-star game, whatever it was, Ronnie, he always had the ball in his hands and his teammates always knew that he was going to make the right play at the right time. And sure. For, for a guy with his skill set, with his size, and his ability to shoot the three-point ball at, you know, almost 43% at the college level, that's a very intriguing type, uh, you know, archetype for the NBA level. And um, I think, like you said, I think with the spacing, with the up of, you know, skill set and up in athleticism of guys at the NBA level, it's only going to enhance Cade Cunningham's IQ, passing ability, and willingness to play make for teammates. Okay, Ronnie, I'm going to throw it to you here first to break down the areas of improvement you have for Cade Cunningham. Yeah, I think when you look at his um, areas of improvement, again, we're talking about a player who might be the number one or number two pick of this 221 draft. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I think sometimes he's pressing. We made that point. He's trying to take over the game too much and maybe taking a few too many four shots. And I think that's because he struggles at times to get by guys in the half court. So he's going to have to keep working on that. Uh, continue to be patient, maybe pass it up to get it back, maybe cut off the ball hard, you know, maybe you come around a couple of screens and like you said, it's, let's see what you can do in a catch and shoot situation. Um, that, that That's a, just small improvements. I think it would be advantage and advantageous for him to work in the mid post a bit more, develop a little bit more back to the basket moves. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, uh, like you see a great player as they get older in the NBA, they, they start developing them back to the basket moves of perimeter player. I think Kate can start working on that now because he has the body in the frame. As you mentioned, he's 6'7", 6'8", probably 215 pounds. He might as well be punishing guys in the mid post now. So develop, develop that mid post game and, and back to the basket moves. And, and I just think he needs to work a little bit more without the ball. Maybe that's not going to work in this Oklahoma State situation because they're going to ride or die with him to try to – get in that tournament and make a run. So I understand that completely, but I think those are just small little things. Uh, uh, and I love the fact that, you know, he can uh, turn it on when he, you know, feels like the pressure's on. So I think that's a positive, but I, I think some of those little things that he, that we, that I just talked about that he can work on, it would be a reason why he doesn't have to turn it on and off. So he doesn't have to start two for eight from the field and then try to pick it up in the second half. You know, if he, if he worked a little off the ball, maybe, uh, like you said, work the mid-range a little more. Keep working on getting by defenders in the half court. I, I don't think he'd have those lulls where you might see sometimes where he has a bad 10 minutes or a bad half. Yeah, like you mentioned, he you know usually starts out pretty slow, slowly just because of um, you know I guess maybe the the pressing for you know to get off get his team off to a good start. Sure. And this season he's been averaging. Uh, single digits in the first half, but then double digit scoring in the second half and, you know, bringing his team back or, or, um, you know, leading to a blowout in some cases. I think the biggest areas of improvement, Ronnie, for Cade Cunningham are just from an athletic standpoint. Uh, Like you said, explosiveness out of a triple threat, first step, uh, second level speed, getting by guys in the half court setting to get into the paint and be able to create those opportunities for teammates. Um, I think another thing that Cade needs to work on is something he can take from a guy like Luka Doncic is deceleration in the paint, getting that, you know, start and stop, but stopping to the point where you're literally on one foot like Luka and your defender is continuing to move away from you 
and then creating that space, keeping that balance and hitting that mid-range jumper, like you mentioned, the mid-range. Yeah. And Luka Doncic is so good at that. He's like, you know, when Luka was coming into the NBA, everyone's like, ah, oh, he's too slow. He's unathletic. He, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to be able to finish around the basket over NBA rim protectors. And you look at Luka Doncic now, he's one of the, you know, five, six, seven, eight best players in the NBA. Easily. And it's because he's so crafty and he's so good at decelerating and yeah. creating that space, even though he's slow and not super athletic vertically. Yeah. I mean, he, he's great in terms of, like you said, stop and starts are a big uh, part of the game for, for young players, all players, not just K Cummings, young players we see at, at, at grassroots and high school events. Stop and start, first step explosiveness, knowing when to stop. And like you said, getting your body from going forward to going up. <laughs> It's not as easy as it sounds. Like you said, you've got to be able to stop on a dime. And, you know, in a recent game, I think the game was, uh, you know, they were going up against a Baylor team who was, you know, one of the best two or three teams in the country. And he yep. struggled in that in a few possessions. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't get by a couple guys. He lost the ball on a couple handles. And he, you know, he missed a couple of shots because of that. Yeah. And I think, I think you know, along with the, the balance and the, the stop and start and, um, you know, being able to create that space against guys and protect the basketball and not get ripped like he did a few times in that Baylor game. Um, using the glass, Ronnie, just, you know, using angles, using the glass, um, being able to have touch off, off the window, um, having that in your arsenal at the mid post level is going to be, you know, really, really important for him. And I think a guy you mentioned earlier, as guys get older and yeah. they start, you know, developing different parts of their game to be able to stay effective in the NBA. Yeah. Sean Livingston is an example of that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know, you can kind of draw parallels between Cade and, and Sean Livingston, not so much, but size and kind of, you know, yeah. um, IQ, they have similar abilities. Um, but Sean Livingston made, you know, with the Warriors, he, he made himself a longer career by being able to operate out of the mid post, whether it was yeah. hitting a fadeaway jumper or drawing doubles and kicking to shooters. And I exactly. think, I think Kate Cunningham can, you know, raise his level of impact at the NBA level immediately if he starts operating better in that mid-post range. Those are the improvements. I, the ones we mentioned are the improvements I'd, I'd like to see. And, and you know, that, that Sean Livingston makes sense because he adapted his game after he had that gruesome injury. Yeah. You know, he adapted his game and stuck around. Well, Kate doesn't have, has that luxury. He's ready to go right now. He's healthy. So if he could add that to his game now without having to wait, well, hey, I'm getting older, I'm losing a little bit of speed, you know, let me operate now, let let jump on it now, you know what I mean? So it, it it's just very minor. I think overall people are going to like his size, you know, his vision, what he can do, and it's just a matter of being able to consistently beat defenders, Devin. All right, Ronnie, we're going to jump into everyone's favorite segment, including mine, the comparables for Kate Cunningham. I will start first. Um, like I said earlier in the areas of improvement segment, weaknesses segment, Ronnie, uh, I think he needs to model his game after Luka Doncic. And I think he has a similar, um, I guess, workload as Luka has with the Mavs sure. at Oklahoma State. They have a very similar you know, um, skill set in the fact that they have the ball in their hands 98% of the time and they're yeah. creating for teammates 98% of the time. So um, Cade, you know, at the NBA level, he, it depends on what franchise he goes to, but he may have that, that duty as well at the NBA level. Sure. So kind of learning the stop and start, learning 
all of that, those things that Luca does so well will, you know, enhance his game. Another guy I like, and this is kind of out in left field, Ronnie. I ran this by a few people before we jumped on today and they're like, you're an idiot. Shout, <laughs> out, shout out to my guys, Perry Webster and Clint Parks. Um, you know, Turk- I mean, a good shooter. He might be, I think he's a better shooter than Kate, but what else do you see that you like about him? I think the way that they kind of just their flow, you know, Hito was able to, even though he was slow and sluggish and not a crazy <laughs> vertical athlete, Hito sounds was able, like you're a Lakers fan. Yeah, Hito was able to get to his spots yeah. and shoot, rise up and shoot over people. And at six eight, yeah. with guys who may be defending Cade Cunningham at the NBA level, I think he needs to get that kind of mid post where he's able to get to a spot, rise up and hit, you know, a fifteen to seventeen foot jumper. Um, and Hito Turkoglu. Like you said, Ronnie, I'm a Laker guy. I remember him with the Kings. He did those things. He did those. He things did those sure. things. And he, you know, Hito was a good passer, not necessarily the ball handler or the ball dominant type of guy. Um, and you know that Cade or Luca is with the yeah. high level of usage rate. But again, Hito was a good passer. Um, it was contagious did, passing. I think with Jason Williams and with C. Webb passing, all of them became good passers. For sure. Another guy I like and who unfortunately had his career cut short uh, due to injury is Brandon Roy. I think Brandon Roy, probably a little bit more off the ball than Cade Cunningham uh, will be. Roy was more of a two, while I think Cade is going to be a a guy who handles the ball, you know, the majority of the time. Um, But Cade Cunningham can learn a few things from Brandon Roy's mid-range game. Stop and pop, change of speed and directions, back to the basket fadeaways. I think you know, if if Cade can develop that sort of offensive package that Brandon Roy had, you have a really, really nice long-term NBA player. Um, drawing a more, I guess, a more timely comparison, Ronnie, is yeah. going to be um, Ben Simmons uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. Cade, obviously not as explosive as Ben. Yeah, uh, not as fast. Not as fast. Not as, no fast, not as explosive, yeah. not as athletic. But... Uh, a few inches shorter, but similar approaches to the game, Ronnie. And I yeah. think Ben Simmons um, isn't as good of a shooter as Cade Cunningham is. Cade Cunningham is a much smoother shooter than Ben Simmons, and yes. you can say that for you can say that for a lot of people. <laughs> comparing yeah. Ben, not, you know, Ben Simmons is a great player. Yeah, not a knock on him. Yeah, but not a knockdown shooter. And I think Cade, you know, with his his ability to create space and his confident and his confidence in his shot is going to be a, a much better shooter than Ben Simmons. But position wise. Um, impact wise, the amount of time they have the ball in their hands, I think, you know, comparable, especially at LSU when Ben Simmons was there, I think their college careers definitely compare a lot. Um, And their NBA careers could be fairly similar with Cade being a better shooter. Okay, Ronnie, who are your comparisons for Cade? Yeah, I wanted to touch up on yours, you know, a bit. I really like the Brandon Roy one. Uh, You know, Brandon was more of a guy who was coming up and became even a greater player than I think most scouts projected him at the time. Like you said, before his injuries, he was really becoming one of the better guards in the NBA. You know, uh, Gibbons had him ranked 55. Uh, Hoopscoop had him 44. So you can see where, as Cade was projected, you know, uh, as a great player, even for his when he came over from Texas to Malverde, he was already in that running for the number one spot in his class. And he stayed there and even got better his second year at Malverde. So very interesting, those things that, we see that, uh, you know, Cade can work on, and, and, and Brandon Roy is a, a good model of that. Um, you know, Cade, Cade's high school coach, um, Kevin Boyle, 
you know, compares him a little bit to uh, Jason Kidd and Oscar Robinson. And he's just kind of throwing out, you know, variables and, and, and adulation for his player because obviously that's his guy. I see more guys along the lines of winning. I like uh, from the winning standpoint, I like Kyle Anderson, slow-mo and, and Chauncey Billups. Okay. You know, the great player for the Pistons who helped lead them to a title. You know, Kyle Anderson, and I just like the feel, the size, the winning plays. And, you know, Kyle was a top three or four player in his class. Obviously, he led a great high school team to, to a national championship as, as, as Cade has. But it took him a while to find his groove. But it sounds like he's finding his groove now in Memphis. Uh, Devin, after, you know, what, four, five, six years in the NBA, he's 27 years old now. So I think they have some of that similar game. Uh, Kyle has a great feel for the game. I think uh, Cade is a little bit better. Uh, you know, a score, but I I like that. Uh, Chauncey Billups, I just like the big shots. You know, Cade makes big shots this year at Oklahoma State. I like the strong frame. Um, you know, the field goal and the three-point percentage for, for Chauncey is not much difference. I always thought Chauncey was a little bit better shooter from the field, but he hits the big shots, and he has a good three-point shooting percentage. So I'd like to see the, uh, Cade carry that over the NBA. At, it keeps at that 43 44% style. I think that would be great for him. Um, the one thing about Chauncey is he hit 90% from the free throw line. So he was a great clutch player. Obviously, Kate is bigger, but mm -hmm. I, I just like their frames. You know, I, I think they're both winners as well. Uh, you know, it's great it, to, to when we throw out these comparisons, because honestly, Devin, I don't think none of these comparisons are slam dunk comparisons. Never. But, but that's a testament to Kate's game because that means he's unique. There's not a lot of players like him. Um, Another guy I would throw out would be, uh, as as Kevin Boyle mentioned, his popular ceiling. Obviously, he'd be a Hall of Famer, but Jason Kidd, as, as Kevin Boyle mentioned. But I like Tyreek Evans. That's a safe bet. And you might say, oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tyreek Evans, why, why do you say Tyreek Evans? Well, Tyreek Evans was a number three player in his class by ESPN. Rivals had him six. So he had the big frame and big body. He's more of a scorer. But, Devin, he had 25-5 and five as a rookie. And... Only Oscar Robinson, LeBron, and MJ had those type of numbers. And, and if you look at his first three, four years with the Kings, his numbers are really good. So if Kate can hit those numbers, and if Kate can shoot for that 25 and 5, obviously if he goes to a really good team, he probably won't get the 20. But if he goes to a team that's rebuilding or a situation like Mellow Ball's in with Charlotte, he may be. I think that's just a great, I think that's a great goal to shoot for, 25 and 5 on a team that's, you know, maybe a, a a team that's not that good. You know, that's a great goal for him. So I think he could be a better player than Tyreek Evans. But if he starts his career like Tyreek Evans, I think that's a, a great start for Cade Cunningham. So, you know, those are the guys that um, I compare him to. And I like your comparison as well. But I think overall, none of those are slam dunks like we compared some of the other guys like J.D. Davidson or Chet Holmgren to some of the guys we did. And I just think that's a testament to Cade's game. Yeah, you, you mentioned that, you know, Cade is kind of, when I was going through my comparisons, Cade's one of the most difficult guys to draw comparisons to because he's, you know, he's got a different type of game. He's got, the, the guy who comes to mind is, is Luka Doncic, and it's tough to, to you know, make that level of comparison. Sure. But if you, if you look at usage rate, you look at, you know, impact, you look at, you know, size and physicality and athleticism and speed, they're very similar. Um, okay. A lot of a lot of people, you know, on ESPN broadcasts or whatever it may be are Grant Hill, Grant Hill, Grant Hill. But I'm not on the Grant Hill train, Ronnie. Grant Hill yeah. 
explosive, man. He was explosive. First step, getting by guys in half court. In the half court, he would just dunk on guys in right. set plays. Unbelievable. I mean, right. I seen some of those comparisons and I thought about Grant Hill a little bit. I mean, I, I it ran through my mind. Obviously, Grant is a great player. Very similar to Tyreek Evans in his ranking, Devin. Ironic, three and six. Very, a little too low. Uh, Bob Gibbons had him a little too low and, and Clark Francis, the hoop scoop, had him three. Which, you know, I understand Ed O'Bannon was in that class and Sean Bradley, everybody was enamored with Sean Bradley. But Grant turned out to be the best player in that group, unfortunately, with the, with the he had those injuries. But he's still a Hall of Fame talent. So, yeah, I, I, I see what they're trying to say there because the six seven six eight, Sure. Uh, good skill. But, I mean, Cade is going to have to work on that half-court explosiveness or he's going to be anything like Grant Hill. Yeah, I think one of the biggest parallels you can draw between Cade Cunningham and Grant Hill is just the leadership ability and the yeah. way that they approach the game and the way that you know their teammates believe in them and, and, and trust them to make the right play. Okay, now we're going to jump into our future forecast for Cade Cunningham. Ronnie, he is predicted to be the number one or number two pick. I don't think he's fallen to three in that 221 NBA draft. Other names you're going to hear there are Evan Mobley, uh, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kuminga. Ronnie, let's start with you. Where do you think he's going to get picked number-wise? Because we don't know who's picking in those spots. And why do you think he's going in that, at that range? Got it. Let's 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 j- jump for back for a second, Devin. We talked about his high school accolades. Okay. He was a Mr. Basketball USA. Ironically, the guys in the running were Evan Moby and Jalen Green. So Cade got seven first-place votes out of ten. Evan Mobley got two, and Jalen Green got one. His teammate Scotty Barnes was uh, fifth, and Jalen Suggs, ironically, was sixth with, with Imani Bates, who we've had in the OTR, and we're going to break him down uh, soon as number four. Very interesting how that how that plays out because Imani's already with those guys, that group of guys is, is looking at as one of the best players in high school basketball in 220. And Cade was obviously the, the guy who got chosen for National Player of the Year. So very Interesting that those has carried right over. So you look at Evan, you look at Cade, and now I'm thinking if I'm a team, again, unless I have one of the two or three best post players in the country, I'm probably going to take Evan Mobley. And then I'm looking hard at Jalen Green or at, and or Cade. Who do I like? You know, I, I like, I've seen a lot of things I like in, in Jalen Green in the G League. He's a more explosive player than Cade. But, you know, if, I'm, if I want a, a lead guard, I'm obviously going to lean toward Cade. But right now, as I look at it, and again, we still have the NCAA tournament coming up. And, and you know, Oklahoma State has their situation where if they get they're, – they're appealing their penalties that they have with the NCAA. And if the penalties don't come down, if there's not an announcement, then they're eligible for the tournament. So that, that's coming up any moment here as, as, as the season goes on. So, you know – very interesting that Cade was the winner in 2020 for National Player of the Year with those two guys, and now those guys are right at the top of the NBA draft. Right now, just looking at what I've seen Evan Mobley do, unless I have a really uh, dominant inside player, unless I'm the 76ers, maybe Golden State, yeah. uh, uh, a team like that, I, I'm really looking hard at Evan Mobley just because of what he can do. Where, where, what? Nothing is going to change in his game. It's going to translate right over. With Cade, I have a few little bit more questions. Not too many, but just a few little more. Yeah, both of those guys mentioned here, uh, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, are, are both 
knock down, you know, home run picks at one or two, right? Both of them, I think, uh, in my opinion, both of them are going to be very good long-term NBA professional basketball players. Um, I think I'm with you on this, Ronnie. I, you know, we agree, we agree a lot and we agree too much. I think we need to have more like, you know, fighting on this show. Maybe we can get, you know, we will double the views. Eventually we will. But if, you know, Evan Mobley, just what he does defensively as a rim protector, and we're going to get into Evan Mobley's, you know, OTR as well here soon. So stay tuned for that. But what he does defensively and kind of how he just projects as a, you know, screen roll finisher, a transition finisher um, at his size with his fluidity, his fit in the NBA is just seamless. It's perfect. I think, um, especially because, you know, the biggest knock on him is, you know, physicality, toughness, um, his strength, but in the NBA, Ronnie, you're in the, the, the foul calls and the freedom of movement. We don't have to worry too much anymore about, you know, a guy's body, right? Yeah. This is not 19. He's not going against me. <laughs> and, 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 and those guys in the 1970s and eighties where they're just going to be punishing, you know, it's, this it's isn't, not. this isn't the bad boy Pistons, 1980s NBA. Yeah. This is an NBA where they allow you to, you know, get where you need to be. And if you get touched, you're going to the free throw line. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess Cade Cunningham, like you said, a little bit more questions as far as getting by guys in transition. And the fact that he plays, he's going to play the most important position at the NBA level is the primary ball handler, uh, the guy who initiates offense, the guy who has to operate out of ball screens, and the guy who has to create for everybody else. Um, you know, there's a lot more pressure on him to perform, especially if he's going to a franchise that needs him to perform immediately. Um and usually at usually at the number one or number two pick spot, unless there's you know a trade and say you know the Lakers or the Clippers or you know uh, the the Sixers like you mentioned, unless they get into that you know number one or number two spot with a trade, you're looking at a franchise that needs a rejuvenating player. Yeah. So um, with with Cade at the number one or number two spot, depending on who picks, he's going to have to come in. And immediate, like at Oklahoma State, Ronnie, immediately take over the reins of a franchise. Yeah. Can't do that. I think from a leadership standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, he's built for that. Yeah, he is. He and is I think that's where the that's where he has a um, an advantage because I, I'll, I'll jump into it and 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 go a monkey wrench and disagree with a little bit Uh-oh. because if I'm not taking if I'm not taking Evan Mobley, then I'm looking hard at Jalen Green because. He beats guys, and he's already beating guys, professional guys, a lot easier than Cade Cunningham's beating college players. So I'm just going to take a look at him. I think he shoots well enough. Does you know Cade does have some advantages? He's a he's a little bit better in terms of maybe playmaking for others. But I'm taking a look at him. So again, very interesting how they were those top three high school guys, and they're just the top three guys looks like in this draft with Jonathan Kaminga kind of being like the the outlier, the guy that can throw this off for a monkey wrench a little bit. Sure. So. You know, again, he's kind of coming for the from the rear and be like, "Hey, am I going to look hard at this guy?" So I still think it's a draft of of, of need. Um, I I do now think, and I thought this for a long time that Kate is a, a strong and he's a safe pick. But I think Evan Mobley is now a really safe. I mean, he's his his floor is. I mean, it's it going to be a floor that he's going to produce. His floor is not like he's going to drop and he's not going to be a bad NBA player. And his ceiling is very high. And I thought that for a long time. Even though he's had his moments where he doesn't dominate in high school, even at SC, I, I just think the low end you're going to get is very safe. He's going to be a good NBA player. 
yeah, I think, like you said, Evan and Kay are both safe picks. I think they're both safe. I think your point to Jalen Green and, and uh, you know, I, I agree that teams should look at him yeah. at that number two spot or yeah. even number one spot, depending on what you need, I guess. Well, what you need, sure. Because Jalen is dynamic. He yeah. has always been dynamic. Um, and, you know, we saw him, Ronnie, as a, you know, freshman, sophomore yeah. at Dinos's Pangos camps. And he's always yeah. a guy who, he, he's always been a guy. Hands out. Yeah. He draws you in. He draws you in with his, his, his smoothness, his ability to get off the floor and just get up and a yeah. freak athlete. And, um, he has that, he has that it factor. He's going to put it factor in the seat. Yeah. And, but for me, for me, Ronnie, if I'm a, if I'm an NBA franchise picking one or two, um, I'm going safe. Yeah. I'm gotcha. going safe. And I, I think with Evan and Cade, um, they're guys you can rely on to be, franchise either either a franchise cornerstone or a franchise piece right yeah. a two number a number two or three guy a number one two or three guy uh, depending on who you have you know you know in on your roster and free agents you can draw but i think jalen ha- is like one of those guys who's going to be like is he a number one guy or yeah. is he a role player right i think Cade yeah. and evan can kind of mold into that team aspect where jalen green the expectations are he's going to be that guy. He's going to be Correct. franchise cornerstone. And um, if you believe in him and you're willing to take a risk on that as an NBA GM, more power to you. For me, I'm going Cade, Evan, Jalen. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's and that's and that's fair. And I I like that because, like you said, you're taking a a slightly a little more conservative approach, and and it doesn't matter because those those two guys at the top are are really good players and they're projected to be really good safe picks. Uh, I also like the fact I got to know them a little bit. Uh, you know, Cade is uh, really down to earth, low key. He seems to really like ball. And Evan Mobley is like almost that's one of his, we'll get into it in his OTR, almost like people think he's too nice. So it's almost yeah. like we want a seven footer to be a, a bad dude and don't <laughs> talk to me and leave me alone and, and, and come in and, and, and just be like, whoa, look at that guy. He's a dominant. And, and that's just not Evan's personality. He's just a great guy. I mean, he's a great young man. He'd be great whatever he was getting into. He just happens to be a really good basketball player. His family's just really nice people. Um, you know, again, we just happen to have the luxury of knowing that. I don't think even a lot of – they're going to hear about it, but I don't even think a lot of NBA brass know what we know about him. You know yeah. what I mean? Just as far as, like, what he brings and just how coachable he is and how um, – low maintenance he'll be for your for franchise. Sure. You know what I mean? So I, those are all little things they're going to look at. I think those are all uh, things that people are going to get into here in the next two or three months as this 221 draft gets closer. It's going to be very intriguing. It's going to be like this draft with with Anthony Edwards, Mallow, and Wiseman. Uh, you know, some people are going to say, well, the Timberwolves screwed that up. Mallow's a once-in-a-decade you know, you know, playmaker. Uh, James Wiseman, oh, how come he's not playing more? Uh, you know, he has fl- flashes of, of brilliance. Then other times he's just eh, he's just going through the motions. So it's going to be very interesting to see which team does this right. Because, Devin, if I'm not mistaken, you were pushing Mallow a lot. Like, teams, don't pass up Mallow. Don't pass up Mallow. So now that you look at this draft, who is the guy that you can't pass up? At number one? like Who's the guy that you can't pass up? I mean, you know, if it drops to you, you've got to take them. You know, whether it's the top three guys, maybe it's Kaminga, maybe it's somebody else. Who's the guy you can't pass up? That's a great question, Ronnie. Um, 
It's Evan Mobley. Yeah. It's Evan Mobley. Yeah. Just because it's a, it's a simple. Yeah. If somebody puts a gun in your head, it's Evan Mobley. Oh yeah. If, yeah. if yeah, someone puts a gun in my head and says, You gotta make a pick right now of yeah. you know the twenty twenty. Don't think about it, just sit. Yeah. Not even close. It's Evan Mobley just because of you know what you're getting defensively. Yeah. You know what you're getting at seven feet tall. Um he can he can shoot it a little bit to you know the three point line at yeah. the college level. I'm sure work ethic wise, he can he can extend that range as well and become more consistent out of the pick and pop, especially in NBA spacing. And Ronnie, just because what we know about Evan off the court, he's not sure. gonna screw up off the court. He's yeah. like everyone knocks him for being too nice and, and you know, not being mean. Like this isn't Rick Mahorn, you know, this yeah. isn't Bill Lambeer. Um yeah, this is not what yeah, we don't have to worry about that so much. Right. Nobody this, fights in the NBA. Come on, right. let's be honest. Nobody nobody's gonna like, mentally uh, you know, get Evan out of his game that much. He's too talented. Yeah, and I think Evan's a guy who's not only safe on the court, he's very safe off the court just because of his demeanor and, you know, things that we've learned about him from getting to know him and his family. And they're, they're great people. And I think Cade Cunningham's in that same mold as far as down to earth, grounded, and knows, really knows like, you know, what it takes to be a pro. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for our Cade Cunningham episode of On The Rise. And if you want more On The Rise content, make sure you head to our Ball Is Life podcast network YouTube page and check out our breakdowns of Sharif Cooper. Chet Holmgren, J.D. Davison, and the rest of the guys we're going to be breaking down here on this show. Give us a like, a subscribe, leave a comment, tell us what you like and you know disagree with. We want to hear what you guys have to say. But until the next episode of On the Rise, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.